0: You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. So if you have your Bibles, open up to John 4. We're going to talk today about our series entitled uh, The Gospel Effect. Today we're going to look at John 4. And uh, the the person we're talking today about is in John 4, the woman that was found at the well by Jesus. And um, in this context of what we're going to talk about today is particularly what did it mean for her to... You know, meet Jesus, to connect with Jesus, and to um, uh, have a, not just a connection, say hello and how are you doing, but to understand what he was talking about with her. How did it affect her life and what changed in her life going forward? So, if you have your Bible or your phone, whatever you have there, you can click on it. John chapter 4, turn there, and um, I, I want to present something to you about this woman that I think is somewhat interesting to me. And it's the idea of, like, you know, if you've ever been somewhere where you don't fit in, uh, I don't know if you've ever, been, you've ever been invited to one of these, like, mixers or things, or you've been invited to something, and you just kind of feel like you're the one that doesn't fit. You know, like, you show up, everyone else is wearing, like, suit and, and collar tie, whatever else. You show up in a polo, and you're like, ah, I thought this was just casual Somehow you miss the memo or whatever, or you show up, maybe you are invited to a party, and you know no one there except the one person, and they never talk to you because they're busy hosting. W- whatever the case is, I think this is kind of like her. She just didn't really fit in anywhere. And I tell my kids this story. We, we, we do family cruises, um, and I know some of you don't like cruises. We love them because, well, first of all, dad really loves them because I can plan, and I know what it's going to cost me pre-vacation. Like that thing's paid for before I go. I get to pay sooner, put a little bit on it every now and then, keep paying, keep paying. And then by the time that we take a vacation, uh, we come home and dad is super happy because it's already been paid for. No surprises. They can eat all they want. If they don't like it, they can throw it away. No complaining from mom or me because you didn't eat whatever. We don't care. We didn't cook it. It's already paid for. If you don't want that, don't eat it. You can eat ice cream, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I really don't care. For this week, have at it. Throw up all over the deck. I don't even have to clean that up. Go for it. I mean, there's lifeguards. There's stuff to do. For us, it's just, it's a joy. I mean, and plus it's on Blue Water, which I love. So it just helps everything. But we went on this last one. We went on, though, we stopped in Jamaica. And Haley and I have been there before. And so we have been to Jamaica a couple of times, and We did a missions trip there years and years ago, but um, we'd been there. And so my kids are looking around, and they see. So when you get on cruises, if you've never been on one, they stop you in these ports, and the port areas is where the tourist stuff is. You go in, you buy stuff and whatnot. And it's very well, let's just say, Americanized. Everybody's like in order. Everything's just neat and tidy. It's just very kind of like, you know, hi, how are you doing? There's no real, hey, coming out and say, hey, come here, come to my shop. There's none of that stuff. You just walk through. Hey, man, do you want to sell something? They look at you like. Yeah. Well, listen, man, if you go anywhere where there is a tourist area and that's how they react, I promise you that is organized by a company. That is not the real, um, that is not real life. Okay. So my kids are looking over and they see the gate, the entry into the, the country. And it's like a main street area in Jamaica. And they're saying like, dad, you've been there before. Let's go in there and see what it's like. And so I said, well, now we go in here and it's not like this. We go in here uh, all of a sudden, number one, they're gonna bombard you like crazy because that's their livelihood, tourism. And they want you to buy something. Please buy something. They're gonna beg you. They're gonna, like, it's gonna be like, you're Jesus walking down the main street. They're gonna, it's gonna be crazy. They're, oh, well, we still wanna go. We'll go. So my two oldest, they wanna go. The little one I was not taking hurt in. And Haley, you know, before I go, this is all mom's disclosure. Every mom, now you make sure you watch them. As if I'm not gonna watch them, like, when we go. I've watched them forever, you know. I will say this morning, I think Piper's checked in for kids' church, but I'm not sure. I will tell you that. You might want to double check. Thank you, babe. We walked in. I'm so used to one of my kids doing that. I forgot. So Anyway, but uh, I figure she's in good hands here. So I wasn't going to take her into the gate, though, next door. We had our passports and all that kind of ship cards, whatever. So we go in, and as we're going in, my kids start noticing. They said, oh, man, I'm a little nervous, Dad. What if... Like, what, what, what is like this? I said, listen, now hold on. Now, you can't walk through this gate acting like some little weak thing. You don't walk in here acting like you're so little timid, timid, like American. You don't know what you're doing. You walk through this gate like you are Jamaican. Like, look, you walk in the gate like you own the main street. Like, bow your chest up, walk in. What's up? No, I, I ain't buying that. I ain't buying that. Because you, you, if you don't, they will sniff you out. And they know you are fresh blood, man. They go like, oh, here's one right here. They've got, probably got cash. You tell them you have no cash. You have no money. I just want to come and say hello to the Jamaicans. Everything is out of your mind. You just kind of, so like, oh, okay. Okay, so we get in there. And sure enough, as soon as we go through the gate, they realize what I was saying. Like, it's just, hey, hey. And when Haley and I went, they'd call her pretty girl. Hey, pretty girl, pretty girl, let me do your hair. Let me do your hair. It's like, because it's tourism. And you have to understand in their culture, when you come into these ports like this, this is a big deal like it it's not that they're trying to be um overbearing to you honestly they they're trying to make a living, and it's just they know that they don't get you quickly, you know Sam or or Bob or Sue or whoever's down the next shack down the street there, the little you know tourism shack things they're going to get your money they They know how the game works, so we're in there going through, and then all of a sudden we turn up a main street. And here's some guys, a couple of broglies over there. They just drinking some Red Stripe. If you know what that is, it's like the national beer. Red Stripe, man. They're all there, and they've had enough. Where like, so I've been around this enough, so I know I can sniff it a mile away. Like, you'll never fool me. If you go to me and say like, no man, I'm just I just had a long night. Whatever, dude. I can smell, sniff. I got I know the I know the look. Okay. You say, well, that's judgmental. Whatever. I, I know you're not gonna fool me. Don't tell me that mess. It's judgmental. Whatever. So. This guy, he's looking at me with glossed-over eyes, right? And my kids don't really realize this, but I can tell he is like, this ain't his first red stripe, you know? Like, brother has been on red stripe all morning, and we're not even at lunchtime yet. And, but there was something about this guy. I don't. He was very emotional. You know, when someone drinks a lot, they get either emotional or angry. This guy was an emotional kind of guy. So he's kind of just opening up, talking. And everybody else kind of leaving us alone. And he wants to show us his shop. And uh, you remember his name, babe? Martin. Martin. She remembers. And here's why. This is crazy. I would never remember that. I I was trying to remember. as I was making my notes the other day. Anyway, we go through. Martin, he wants to show us his shop. And we come up this other lane. And I thought, yeah, why is your shop not on the main street? And then why are you not at your shop? Like, why are you ever drinking Red Stripe? You know, if you want to be making money, you should be at your shop. But it was on the way at the exit. I could see it. And I thought, you know, okay, okay. So we get over there. And... Martin has a little shop. With everybody else, the same kind of stuff. It's all the same stuff. But Martin, I look into this little <clears throat> his, his little the, his shop thing, and here's his mom-in-law holding his little baby. And Ava, that's what got her. Like, she was like, Dad, what about Martin? Like, we should buy something. I'm like, honey, she did buy something from Martin. I didn't because I was like, I'm not buying anything from Martin. But I did feel this, like, Man, I think, I can't remember if we prayed for him. I think, we, I know we were praying for him after we left. And, but he, he really kind of touched her heart because she thought the first time she saw someone who's like, here's this little baby. Why is he over here drinking without his baby? Why isn't he taking care of his shop? His, why is his wife having to work somewhere else? And why is he, it really kind of bothered her as we began to talk, though. <clears throat> we realized that you come into an area where you might not fit in. It's funny how quickly you can make a connection with someone and all of a sudden you do fit in. And you realize that humans aren't that different after all. That humans have issues and we all struggle with things from time to time. Martin, you know, is caught up in a culture of things that's going on there that that he, he would have to get out of. But nonetheless, as my kids are coming in, they come in first going, advice from dad, walk in like you own the place. or You can get overrun. But as they're in there, the more time they spend, the more comfortable they got. Now they were... Kind of thankful to have a ship car to get back into the tourist area. Kind of relax a little bit. Because it is different, you know. But if you only see places like airports when you travel, that's just a tourism area. That's not the real thing. That's just a a thing they make so you feel comfortable. But as we were there, I know they didn't really feel like they fit in. I didn't feel like I fit in either. I mean, I was, I know some lingo. But sometimes when you feel like you don't fit in, you can actually overcome that by just having a personality about you that says, I'm going to push through this. Like if you come to church, like if if you're didn't, if you hear this in your head, well, that might be someone else's seat. That's a lie from the devil. No one here. I mean, look, this is a church owned whatever. Technically church people own seats. Yes, but they don't have their names on the seat. Okay. They bought them for everyone to use. Okay. But there is no one, well, except for maybe me Hale, and a few others over here, that because we have to get up and down off the platform, okay? Please don't take my seat, okay? But, I mean, because it's so close to the proximity, you know, like we have to get off and on quickly. But there's no, and there are only a few security guys here and there, first responders that sit certain places, but other than that, there's like 400 seats there, okay? Pick one. It doesn't belong to anybody. Don't listen to the lie the devil says, well, that's probably somebody, they, they probably... If someone tells you, well, that was my seat, and it's not labeled, tell them to pick another one. Get over it. That's ridiculous. I don't want to have ever heard anyone do that, but I'm just saying, I've heard people say they've experienced that before. I don't want you to ever feel like that. You come to this church, I want you to feel like this is your home. Like, I don't know if I can have coffee. You can have coffee. Please have two or three cups. We don't like throwing away coffee. Every time you drink a cup of that coffee... It helps kids and other families in other parts of the world. We don't buy coffee from Sam's anymore, other places. This coffee helps kids. The One of the thing I also got an email of, one was uh, rescued out of some kind of a trafficking thing. Because you're drinking coffee. So please, drink away. Have the coffee. It's yours. Feel at home. Use the restrooms. Use the soap. Whatever. It is your church. Please don't ever feel like you don't fit in. But I understand how that goes sometimes. Sometimes you just don't feel like you fit in things and this lady this woman that was at this well man she just couldn't overcome it with her personality because she really didn't fit in and what's sad is about this she was in a culture of samaritan where she didn't fit in not only with her culture she certainly didn't fit in with the jewish culture She didn't fit in with anybody. Her friends, she had no friends. And when I say girlfriends, she had no female companions that were friends and a friendship. None of them wanted to be with her and hang out with her and have friendship with her. Obviously, her relationship with former husband, none of that worked out well. It was, you know, falling apart. And so here she is, as she encounters Jesus, we're going to read about this. She is really struggling. She doesn't fit in. She's all by herself. She shows up to the well. But here's the one thing I want you to see. Who's the one person that showed up to meet her when no one else in her own city would? Jesus. And every time that you ever feel like you don't fit in, can I just assure you of one thing? Jesus will show up with you. Maybe no one else will, but I'm telling you, he will show up with you. And so... Let's look at John 4. I want you to I want you to read this. I'll read this to you. I'm going to go through a couple of verses and, and show you some things. But again, understand she didn't fit in. So here we go, John 4, verse 1. So it says, therefore the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were. Which so you see Pastor Stephen baptizing, but let me just say this: if you're ever out and about and you're a disciple of Christ, and you're ever out and about somewhere and someone comes to faith in Christ, they don't have to wait till they come to church. You're a disciple. You find a pool of water if you have to. If they say, can I be baptized? Don't wait for church service. Find a bathtub, a swimming pool, a creek, whatever you have next to you. If they want to be baptized, find one. You're a disciple. You can baptize people too. It's not an official like a Sunday morning thing It has to be done. We do that. But I just want to encourage you, if you're a disciple of Christ, and someone says, hey, could you baptize me? I know you're a believer. Say yes find some water find a mud hole if you have to i mean i baptized my friend one time in the lake in lake wise and i did not know we were near uh, bill mathis's place he went on this, the cove i did not know that i was gonna have to walk 400 yards out into the lake to get to water that was below my knees i finally had to sit him in the mud just sit down Get <laughs> him out of the mud you know it's like come on it's, it was bad but you know what didn't matter for him he was thrilled both of us teared up crying hugging middle lake wise Anyway, I just want to encourage you with that, okay? Baptize people if, 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 if you have the opportunity. So in verse 3, he left Judea and he went away into Galilee. And look, verse 4, and he had to pass through Samaria. He had to. Please understand this. He had to pass through Samaria. And I'll kind of indicate some of that again later. But it wasn't something that everyone else went around Samaria. And it took longer, but they went around it because they didn't want to go through it because they considered them, the Jewish people considered them to be, um, I hate to say the word, but this is what they were, half bred, half, they were not whole as a Jew. They were half Jew, half Gentile, and they had nothing to do with them. They really did not like the Samaritans. So, verse 5. He came to a city of Samaria called Sakar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, that is interesting enough right there to me. When you read this, understand that if these markings are there and this is the place in which these things happen, then the people there probably know some things too. And Jesus is saying he's at a place where Joseph was given this ground by Jacob. And it says Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, and there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore this Samaritan woman said to him, How is it you being a Jew? She obviously knew he was a Jew somehow. I mean, there's different ways, I guess, but she understood this. How is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Verse 10. <coughs> Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And she said unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Watch verse 12. You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? First thing before you go any further, I want you to think about this woman. She has no friend. She's isolated. She, no one wants to be around her. But she obviously knows something about her history. Just because someone isn't, doesn't have connections or friends, just because you think they don't have strong faith, don't think that they might not know something. This lady here had an understanding of who her daddy was, lineage-wise. She knew some things about God that, you know, when you look at first take, you think, oh, she's just this woman at a well. She's a woman that, you know, whatever, can't get along with people, blah, blah, blah. Um, seems like she knew some stuff that maybe was further than that. She says, you're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself as his sons and his cattle? Verse 13, Jesus said to her, everybody who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give him will be becoming him a well of water that springs up to eternal life verse 15, the woman said, now I don't think this was a sarcastic remark. You could read it that way. (laughs) But I don't think she was saying that. She says, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, watch this though, nor have to come here all the way here to draw. In other words, if you're telling me there's something to keep me from having to come out here by myself and be alone, and everyone sees the matter because no one will communicate with me at all, to relieve myself from this embarrassment situ- in this embarrassing situation that I find myself in every single day. The shame and the guilt that I've carried all of my life. And every day I'm reminded of because I have to go to the well because I have to get water. If you're telling me I can get out of this, you can relieve this, I'm willing to try this water that you have. So Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me go back up. I went too far. Verse, seven, verse 17. Um, verse 15 actually, she says, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come here to draw. Verse 16, he said to her, go call your husband and come here. So verse 17, now why is he doing this? He's not doing this to embarrass her. She already has this background knowledge of faith. She obviously has some issues with Jews as do Jews have with Samaritans. There's a lot of things against this conversation. So the Holy Spirit is using this moment to communicate with her to help break down some walls. So he says, go call your husband and come here, verse 17. The woman said, I have no husband. She was going to just leave it at that. And Jesus said to her, you've correctly said, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have right now is not your husband. This you've said truly. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, have you ever had anybody read your mail? Anybody ever had somebody read your mail like that? Okay, oh, really? Oh. That's interesting. Hmm. Never had anybody, I mean, ever had anybody read your mail? Like, really, they've looked at you for, and you're like, "Oh, uh, that's God. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. high. like, you mean that you know the answer. Okay. Not nearly as many as I thought. I want to pray right now that God would so mess with you. I did not realize that. So I'm going to stop right now. I'm going to pray for you. So would you close your eyes, bow your heads. This is not my notes, but I just feel strongly to do this. Lord, in the name of Jesus, uh, God, you just saw every hand that went up in here and every hand that didn't. And so, God, I'm praying that you will send people across our paths. will so communicate your word. So communicate something to us that there will be no doubt whatsoever that it's from you. That, God, that only you would know. And that the person in this room that they would know, the only person who would understand this would be you. And God, may you touch our hearts, may you reveal truth. God, may you um, convince us of things and may we draw closer to you because of it, God. Just praying for a word from the Lord that you would minister to people in this room and those watching today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, just, you know, get ready there. He might mess with you a little bit. This week, hope it didn't make you nervous, but, um, uh, you know, man, we used to have a school. I went to the school where this guy, he was a prophet, and uh, man, before you went to school, before you went to his class, everybody's still outside, and you can see people like, stop for a minute, like, you know. all right. It's like, you know, you almost this time to go like, okay, Lord, now I, I think I'm good, but if there's anything that I don't have right in my life, I'm just asking now, forgive me in Jesus' name, amen, how are we going in there, because... This brother could just look at you and be like, he wouldn't embarrass you. But, you know, if you've never had that happen, I'm just, I pray that does. That'll really, really get you. So, I mean, you can imagine this woman here. This probably jaw dropped. Uh, I wasn't going to tell you that. How did you know? Maybe the first thing she thinks is, who's been lying on me? You know, who, who told you that? But the Holy Spirit told him. So <clears throat> verse 17, so she said, I have no husband. And he said, you're right. You had five, and the one you got right now is not your husband. So she said, verse 19, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Yeah, no kidding, right? Verse 20, now she wants to get all spiritual with him. I'm just showing you this because I want you to see, she's not just a woman that was by the well, on her own, some uh, promiscuous type lifestyle, whatever you're thinking about her. This lady had some background of spiritual depth that maybe it started out when she was a young girl. But maybe her first husband was a jerk, or he beat her, so she had to get out of that. Maybe the next one wasn't much better. I don't know. You know, sometimes it's so funny you read these stories and you think, well, it's her. Well, maybe it wasn't her. I mean, you know, as a kid growing up, I just be honest. With you, as a kid growing up, I heard some really stupid stuff from people that thought they meant well, but they were idiots. Okay. I mean, they really were, and most of them were Christian. I hate to say it. I had a really bad taste in my mouth as a young guy with Christians. Because, you know, as a guy growing up with a single mom, you know, people said some really dumb stuff. Especially back in the 80s, there was this whole big thing about divorce and adultery and all, and blah, 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 blah. And I don't have time to teach on that right now. If you want, got questions, ask me, I'll tell you later. But this whole idea that somehow or that because if a woman had to divorce her husband, well, now she was in sin for the rest of her life. That's just about the dumbest. Thing. It's not even in the Bible. But some idiot who thinks they know more than somebody else who they don't read their Bibles tell people that and leave them in bondage for the rest of their life. There's nothing in Scripture. Moses gave exemptions and said there's a purpose and a reason here for divorce if necessary. It was in the Mosaic law. If it's in the law, then how much more under grace do you have the opportunity to get things right? And women for years, I remember the 80s, man, I heard stuff, the craziest things, and I thought to myself, if that's God, then I don't have anything to do with that. Because how can God forgive a murderer but can't forgive someone who went through a divorce? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But when you read the context, so since we got in, I'll just go there. Since if you read it and you read the context of what Jesus is saying when he says about divorce and remarriage, when they ask him the question, they said, well, you know what? How can this be? How can they remarry? You know, if they divorce and stuff like that, and there you, know, you made her an adulterer, blah, 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 blah. And that's what people would say. And that's not what he was talking about. He was telling these yahoos that thought they were spiritual leaders who would go in and find one little flaw with their wife. Like she didn't fix her eyelash makeup right. Because he'd been with her for a little while and he's tired of her. So she didn't do her makeup right. and Because under the law, if a man were to find a flaw, and it didn't mean eyelash makeup, it meant she was either unfaithful, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, then you could walk that process out. They were taking every little excuse. Well, she didn't cook my beans right. Kick her to the curb, get me a new one. You see how it worked, right? He was saying, you guys are messing with stuff in the wrong way. That's not what this was intended for. Moses gave permission, yes, for reasons that were necessary. But you, in the Pharisees that he was talking to, you're taking advantage of this. And you are breaking down the law in a way that is not what my father intended. And you have to understand this to be true. If an axe murderer can be forgiven on death row, and we've all seen Christians talk about that, oh, we prayed for him, he came to Jesus, whoa! But someone gets divorced and they can't? That makes zero sense in theology whatsoever. So I'm just telling you, if you want to know more about it, ask me later. I can tell you more if you want. But I hearing that stuff as a kid, and see what my mom had to go through if anyone knew and what she had to deal with, and I mean, I've told people before ask me, like you might ask the wrong guy. You may after today want, not want to ask me anything about marriage and, and divorce, whatever. But I've, people ask me, look, if there's abuse going on, get out. I'll help you. I'll bring a suitcase and help you. Might get a few more guys in case he's kind of crazy. But I'm just saying, I'm not going to sit around and watch somebody tell somebody that, well, you know, you ought to pray for him. Not if he's hitting him. Well, you can pray for him while he sits in jail for a while. Let him think on some stuff. You would do that? Oh, in a heartbeat. It wouldn't, I wouldn't lose a sleep over it at all. Man, pastor, I can't believe your pastor would say that. Well, I'm, you know, I came out of construction with the pastoring, so I'm all, you know... Every now and then, you know... I'm just being really honest with you. Abuse. Addictions. Abandonment. Adulteries, too. Yes, but those other things... That's real stuff right there. And those were qualifications for divorce if necessary. You can't put up with stuff like that, man. So I'm saying that why? How do you know it was her? It's so often read because she's the one in the context of the story. But how do we know it's her? Maybe she had shame from the first marriage. Maybe the second didn't work out. Maybe the third was this and whatever. But where are the guys at? Did you notice the woman that was caught in adultery, they drug her out and brought her to Jesus? Hey, the ones what the law said, well, throw rocks at her. What you say, Jesus? It's not like some, you know, really smart Christians, don't they? Like, what do you say about you? And Jesus looked at him, and I that, he's probably thinking the same thing. You know, it takes two to tango, boys. Where's the fellow at? Why don't y'all bring him? Was he a friend of yours? I don't know. That's kind of what I would have said. Where's where he at? How do you know it's just her? So the more I read this, the more I thought about this in verse 20. This is what really got me to thinking more about these things. She said, our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you people, you Jews, say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And she said, because there's the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom, kingdom of Israel, This goes all the way back to Rehoboam, Solomon's son, and the, they built a temple up in the northern region, the region of Dan. Just all this stuff is going on, and it wasn't right. It wasn't of God. This was wrong. However, they still had a semi-basis context of faith and the Torah. They were off on their worship, yes. And Jesus is clear about that. But it's not like, I want you to see this. This is not someone who has zero knowledge about God. She actually knew some stuff. And she says, or Jesus says to her, Woman, believe me. Now I want you to see, Jesus is not cutting her any corners. He's not making excuses for her. He's telling her the truth, but he's also not, not afraid to tell her the truth, but he's also wanting to help her. But Jesus said, Her woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. So he corrects her a little bit. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers, for God is spirit Referring to this, you're not going to be able to worship God fully unless you are born again, because you can't, he's a spirit. And if you're not born again, you cannot have a connection with God. Okay, what people tell you, I feel goosebumps. Are you saved? Well, no, not yet. Well, you're, you have, That's not God. Well, I can't believe you'd say that. Well, if you're not born again, darling, I love you. But this is a real thing. The rebirth in the Christianity, the faith of Christ, being born again spiritually is a real thing. And without that, you might be singing along, but it's not worship. Because if you can worship God and not be saved, and a person who is saved can worship God under the blood of Jesus, you're saying that without the blood, you can worship, and someone with the blood covering them can worship, and it's the same. I'm sorry, it's not the same. This is what Jesus is saying to her. You don't know what you're talking about, young lady. And he says, but the time's coming where when people are born again, They're going to worship in spirit with God and also in truth. And it's not going to be on either one of these mountains. It's going to be all over the world. So he continues on. He says, for God is spirit and those who worship him must come worship in spirit and truth. And so the woman said to him, watch this. I know that Messiah is coming. So not only does she know something about worship, she actually knows something about Christ. She said, he who is called Christ. And when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples come walking up, and I love this. They were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek, or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot, and she went into the city, and she said to the men, not to the women. Now, I'm a guy. You guys didn't notice, I'm a guy. I don't identify as one. I don't pretend like I'm one. I don't need a pronoun to be one. I'm just a dude. I'm a male Born that way, it's biologically, physiologically, I am what I am, okay? That whatever science chromosome thing, it's present. I don't need tests, okay? Anyway, I just say that because this is the silliness of our country right now. We we just have these ideas and we believe this mess because we think we're going to offend people. And I'm saying, I thank God people offended me when I was a young guy. Thank God people didn't just let me go down my own path and say, well, it's okay, God bless you, you can love God anyway. They didn't tell me that. They tell me, get your stuff straight, young man. I don't want to do that. Well, it's going to be hard to follow Jesus. He said, take up your cross. So you either got to take up his cross or keep carrying your stuff. But one of the two, you can't have both. But she went to talk to the men. And here's what I'm saying. is because the men, I'm just going to just, the women obviously don't have anything to do with her. So it looks like she goes to some of the leaders around the men. The same thing was true when Jesus was resurrected. You remember this? When he was resurrected, the women that saw him first, they went in and told the disciples, he's alive. We've seen him. He's alive. And they said, uh, we don't believe you. We're going to go see for ourselves. Now, part of that, ladies, is just guys. I'm just being honest with you. They're just guys. They go, uh, go, uh, me, man, me need to go see for myself. It's nothing against you personally. Men just think differently sometimes. That's just the bottom line. So she goes into the city, says to the men, Come and see a man who told me all the things I've done. Is this not the Christ? They went out of the city and were coming to him. And meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, you've got to eat something. But he said to him, I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. So the disciples said to one another, No one brought him food, did they? They're all like messed up, right, with this whole thing. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Do you not say there are four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look out to the fields, for they are white for harvest. Now we know what he's getting to. Why did he have to go to Samaria? You remember what the gospel meant? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. To where? Jerusalem. Judea. And where? Samaria. Man, I'm telling you, sometimes we get these ideas and we think that, well, it's just our little box in four corners. Our zip code is what counts because we all love Jesus and we got the right. I'm going to tell you, he's told us to go everywhere. Everywhere. Not just the people that look like you, smell like you, walk like you, and look like you. People who don't actually maybe think like you. They deserve the gospel too. Now, they may not accept it. But the gospel is for everybody. The difference is the gospel when it's preached and proclaimed is this when we receive it, we are to turn from ourselves, repent, and follow Jesus Christ. It can't be, well, I can still have my way, my thoughts, and what I'm doing, and Jesus will still accept me. Uh uh-uh. uh. That's not the gospel. That is Americanized, humanistic, philosophical thinking that is not Bible. And I love you enough to tell you the truth this morning because I I just can't figure out why people with so much intelligence have decided to believe a lie. Well, you know, you just got to love and just accept. No, you don't. If you continue down that road, no one's ever going to come to faith in Christ because they're going to believe everything's okay. Now, This woman here is sitting there now. She's in a conflict. She's telling these guys about, is this Jesus? I mean, this is the Christ. And so they come running up. Here comes these people. Jesus says, verse 36, Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. Verse 38, I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor, which is why I say, you know what? Amara over here, she's preaching, she's sharing, and she's doing what she's doing. with Those kids at camp, pouring seeds in. Somebody before that was pouring seeds into that person's life. And this person comes to faith in Christ because someone along the way has continued to pour seeds into their kids or their family or other people. I thank God that people kept putting seeds into my life and didn't look at me and say, well, he's not going anywhere. He's a lost cause, man. We're going to find somebody else. I think God people didn't do that. They kept trying They kept trying and like, oh, God help the boy. Kept trying and trying, you know. I thank God for people. He just, like, died this year. Like, his name was Max Tucker. He was a pastor in New Antioch. So when I was a kid, my grandfather had a store across the street from this church. He would come by, pick me up from the house in a big blue school bus. Painted that thing blue like a big, you know, bluebird just going down the road, man. Big white stripe. It was actually kind of sleek. I mean, it was so Kind of looked cool. Looked better than the school bus. The school bus was yellow. This thing had color. It was like cool. He would come off the school bus, knock on the doors, say, Hey, we're coming through on like sunny." I can't remember what day was sunny. I guess we'd pick him up, uh, whatever time. Just look, can Jody go with the thing? My mom said, Yeah, he can go. I never got saved there, but it was seeds. Just seeds after seeds after seeds. You never know. What you're planting. You might not reap the harvest, but don't stop planting. The one thing I learned this year about doing garden stuff, you plant a lot of seeds, not everything comes up. But more comes up that you do plant than than fail. You have a lot less that fail. Most of the time they come up. All right, now, so he says, don't don't stop sowing, in other words. It says, verse 39, so from that city, many, watch this, of the Samaritans believed in Christ. These are people who had nothing to do with Jews. They didn't believe in this. They were against the Jewish people. The Jewish people were against them. They believed in him because of the word of who? The woman who testified. Can I just say to you right now, real quick, if you don't feel like you fit in, this lady didn't feel like she fit in either, but she went and preached it anyway. Don't let people ever look at you and say, well, you know, you, you don't fit the mold of a Christian, so you, can, you shouldn't be talking about Jesus. You, you know, you, you don't need to be sharing. Don't listen to that mess. Jesus taught when the disciples got taught because there were some other guys preaching and doing some baptizing and discipling, whatever else. They're like, uh, Jesus, there's some people over here, you No, know, they're preaching and discipling and all this kind of stuff. I mean, what should, we, what should we do about that? Jesus said, well, if they're not against us, they're for us. Leave them alone. Yeah, but I don't agree with, you know, they don't do it like we do. Well, whatever. I don't agree with myself, like, you know what, like I used to. So there, I'm, a, I'm a, just a walking contrarian, okay? I just, I, half the time I believe, I think, you know, one day I think this and I read something I go like, well, I was wrong about that, wasn't I? Yeah, the Word has a way of doing that to you. The more you study God, you realize, huh, you know, I thought I knew what I was talking about there, but you know, I read five more scriptures to say I was wrong. Anyway. Maybe I'm the only one. It's okay. All right, I'll keep going on. Don't like that. All right, Verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. and Many more believed because of his word, and they were saying to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. A person who didn't fit in, she felt like an outcast, she felt like an ostracized person, it just it was like so removed from, from her culture, her friends, she had no one. And now all of a sudden, here she is preaching the gospel to her friends and neighbors. And they're all coming to Christ because of her work. All because she didn't fit in. And I love this about this. She obviously had some background in her faith, some, some understanding, but the more she preached, the more she realized, man, this is the Christ. And I just encourage you with a couple of things here. Um, you know, with this, that being from a Gentile background, they were Jew and Gentile, you know, so here they are captured by, you know, a group of people, Gentile driven, they've been brought into their culture. So now there's a bunch of mixed up stuff, very confused stuff. And so that's probably part of the issues that were going on here. But so in the Jewish culture, you don't really see Jesus talking about a lot of different things. You don't see things like, how many times you read about where Jesus is having to address things like, hey, no, you know, during Passover, don't get drunk on the stuff. Don't, don't just overindulge yourself and get drunk at Passover. There's not a lot of that in there. When you read that in there, there's nothing, he doesn't really go through a lot of huge content on sexual sins. There's some references here and there. He doesn't get into a lot of the Gentile-driven conversations that Paul does. And the reason why is because when you read the Gospels, the Jewish culture understood things about morality. They didn't question it. To them, it wasn't even a question. You just like stayed away from that. And if you fell into sin, you fell into sin, but you don't, it's not like you just, it's okay, God loves me, and it'll be all right. This group, though, they believed things that were acceptable and said, you know, it's going to be okay. And Jesus saying, it's not okay. I mean, this is why Paul would address certain things. Like, Jesus never talked about getting drunk. I know they didn't do communion, but they did do the Last Supper and stuff. He didn't address those kind of things. But watch what Paul says real quick. Acts 15, verse 20, um, um, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, when you come together, is it not the Lord's Supper that you eat? For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. At communion? Could you imagine? You come to church and, of course, ours is like, you know, whatever, juice in a cup thing. But they would come together and... Eat so much and drink so much they were absolutely getting drunk at communion. Now, can you imagine that? No. Because in your culture, you think, mm, that's a little weird. But they looked at us like, hey, it's a party, I guess. I don't know. He says, don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? (laughs) No, I will not. (laughs) I I love Paul. But who's he talking to? He's talking to Gentiles. There are things in that culture that Paul addressed that were completely different than the things that Jesus addressed in the Jewish culture. You just didn't see that much. So much so in Acts that when they got to preaching to so many Gentiles, they realized, look, these boys are never going to line up with a kosher lifestyle. I mean, these guys have been eating, you know, bacon and eggs for like 56 years. To try to convert them now and make them go kosher, when they got enough stuff going on, I mean, this is temple, pagan worship, prostitutes at the temple, male and female, both. In front of, this stuff was rampant in the Gentile culture. And Paul was going like, and all the other churches were going like, boys, we're not fighting them over bacon. Let them eat bacon, Let us lettuce, bacon sandwiches, who cares? we we, we got to get to the more real issue at hand. So you know what they told these guys? Look at this, Acts 15, verse 28 says, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. That verse 29, you abstain from things sacrificed to idols. These are to the new believers, the Gentile believers. And from blood. In other words, don't be drinking blood. And from things that are strangled. And from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. Farewell. You don't see that conversation in Jewish culture. Because they had an understanding of a lot more deeper things of God, of God's ways of why you don't get into certain things. So when Jesus approaches this woman, he understands he's dealing with a bit of a hybrid understanding of Jewish culture and Gentile-driven culture. He can't come in there to her and treat her like some of the Jewish Pharisees that he'd been talking to. She's on a, and he doesn't excuse sin. He doesn't overlook it. He corrects her, but he says, look, this is how it's going to be going forward. You're wrong, and so are they. There's to be people worshiping all over the planet, and it's not going to be just on these two mountains. There's going to be mountaintops everywhere where people come and worship God in spirit and truth. Now, why am I telling you that? Because different instructions sometimes come to different groups, but salvation is salvation regardless. To these Gentiles, they knew there's no way they're going to convert them fully to kosher living. So they said, look... It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you. Let's start with the basics, boys. You know, to the bar and drink a cup of blood, got to stop that. You know, that's just, we got to, because the blood, life's in the blood, and the blood is the precious blood of Jesus. That's the only blood you need, baby. You don't need to drink any of that over there. We're not Dracula or weirdos, no more of that, okay? Number two. You can't eat stuff that you sacrifice to pagan gods. I know the meat smells good, looks good, but you can't eat that stuff because that's demonic worship. Can we all agree with that? they probably look like, well, you know, I mean, yeah, that's probably right. He's probably right. We shouldn't eat that. I mean, it was demons after all. You know, I guess drinking the blood thing, that makes sense, you know. You can see the conversation, right? You, you understand, they're not schooled in Jewish culture and the Torah. And he looks at them and says, eh, what other thing? Yeah, what was that? That strangling stuff, you can't, no more stuff, with no more eating anything with that strangled. That's just not the way you do it. There's a proper way to butcher animals, and that's, that ain't how you do, that's inhumane in and stuff. Like, there's a better way to do it. Okay, all right. You know, you can kind of, and then he gets to the last one, and he says, eh, one more. No more fornication. Huh? understand I'm, I'm trying to be as like pg 13 as i can but in their culture temple prostitutes male and female that's how they worshiped and so he's saying no more of that paul would say later on you need to get you one wife and that's it can't have three or four on the side can't have somebody out of state one wife and that's it one spouse Now, this rocked their world. This is a lot. of This rocked their world. But they didn't give them a pass and say, it's okay. God loves you anyway. Now, why am I saying that to you? In the Jewish culture, Jesus was a lot more strict in some other areas and things that they were talking about. However, they took things too far in their culture, in the Jewish culture, where when he tried to heal somebody on the Sabbath, they freaked out over it. That's ridiculous. He was saying, man, what's wrong with you? That is not what I said. Why why, why would I heal the person on the Sabbath? The Sabbath's made for you. Why would you? You've missed the whole point. He had to deal with those kind of things with them because that was what their culture was in. This other culture, he was differing different things. James says it like this. James 4, verse 17. To one who knows to do the right thing and doesn't do it, to him it is... Come on, let's say it together like we know the answer this morning. Anyone who does do the right thing but doesn't do it to him, it is what sin. I know. It's not a popular word anymore. I know it. It's one of those kind of words that we don't in America. God bless us. Well, no, we can't talk about sin because that is judging people. I'm so tired of hearing about judging people. It's making me sick. You can't even tell anything anymore. And it, unless it offends, unless it's something that hurts them, then oh, bless the Lord. Oh, wait, well, you can't do that. Well. There are some things that are just black and white, and it's sin and sin. And I I put this down. I thought this was very interesting. Um, I don't want to be misunderstood in what I'm saying. So I I said all this just to get this as a wrap-up today. I do not want to be misunderstood with what I'm saying. Jesus wants to help us move forward in our lives. This woman at the well, he was ready to say, Honey, listen, I can help you move forward and get out of this. He didn't excuse it, though. He doesn't accept everything in our lives, though. Can we all agree? I just, I just need to know that we all agree on that. He wants to help us. And listen, he's not going to condemn you. He's not going to put his thumb down on you. No, he's not. He's there to help you, man, to lift you up and pull you out. But he's not going to lift us up and pull us out if we say, well, this is just who I am. And this is just how I am. And my, you know, anger issues, you know, it just runs in my family. That's a lie. That's straight from the pit of hell, and you need to get delivered of it. Well, you say, Well, you just don't know how it is, man. I mean, like, you know, I mean, I'm just looking at her. Well, stop looking at her. I mean, it's innocent. No, it's not. It's not innocent. Ladies, is it innocent? Mmm. See, you you gotta say something like that, because sometimes guys think they hear other guys say, Oh, I ain't doing nothing, I'm just looking. And they hear another gospel. Well, it might be okay. I'm a man. I mean, you got to remind me, it's not okay, ladies. One more time. Is it okay? No. There you go. Good job. Thank you so much. Jesus said, if you look at a woman, might as well went on the whole way. If you are checking her out that much, and these guys, I love what he's gonna say. Well, I mean, it's just I, and I looked away. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I, you know what I do when I'm looking? I go oh, there she is right there. That's what I'm looking for. I tell you, somebody else, I mean, I'm not, if somebody's doing something weird, I'm like, what is wrong with him? But I ain't oogling after her. I'm looking for mine. Where's she at? Oh, there she is. Yeah, that's that hot mama right there. That's my lady. Side note, just want to say that. So conversation, this is very interesting. And I am, I am going to show you this and, and, and we are done. You might be thinking, well, man, well Pastor Jody, I mean, are you saying like, when we talk about this, man, you know, I understand Jesus loves me, but He wants to help me. There's grace, and there is. Please don't misunderstand me. Yes. Overabundance. And if you're struggling, He'll help you get through it. And He'll never turn His back on you. But don't come to Him saying, I just am what I am, and I can't get it fixed. Because He can't accept that. He paid too great a price for us to stay in our sin. So this is funny. So this week, I, I was talking to a guy, We had this conversation about, you know, this whole artificial intelligence. has been around for a while, but now it's mainstream. Everybody's like, ooh, look at all this stuff. And, uh, you know, so we thought it was kind of fun. We had this conversation back and forth about it, And I thought, you know what, I just wonder what, given our culture today, I just wonder what some of these AI programs will say if I throw some stuff into them about Jesus. And so I did this. The context I gave it, I said, Jesus wants to help us move forward in our lives. However, Jesus does not accept everything in our lives. This is what the prompt said. I don't know if you can read it. Oh, yeah, you kind of can. It says, that's right. Jesus wants to help us move forward in our lives, but he does not accept everything in our lives. He wants us to grow in our faith and become more like him. A computer gave me this, by the way. Not a person. He wants us to turn away from sin and live a life that is pleasing to him. Wow. Wow. Here are some things that Jesus does not accept in our lives. didn't say what he does accept. It threw out what he doesn't accept. I thought, wow, sin. Jesus is holy and he cannot accept sin in our lives. Sin separates us from God and it prevents us from having a relationship with him. That's pretty good. Unforgiveness. This is hard, but Jesus commands us to forgive others just as he has forgiven us. When we hold on to unforgiveness, we are allowing bitterness and resentment to take root in our hearts. This can damage our relationships, and it can keep us from experiencing the peace that Jesus offers. Wow. preacher might be out of a job soon. Pride. Pride is a sin that can lead to many other sins, with such, as self, such as arrogance, self-righteousness, and conceit. When we are prideful, we put ourselves above, above others, and we refuse to acknowledge our own weaknesses. This can make it difficult for us to learn and to grow, and it can prevent us from having a close relationship with God. So far, so good. Doubt. I, have, I didn't think about this one. It's kind of interesting. Doubt is a natural human emotion, but it can also be a sin if it leads us to turn away from God. When we doubt God's love. See, what I'm saying to you today is this. I'm not asking you to walk out of here looking at sin. I'm telling you this morning, he'll help you through it. Don't doubt his power and his ability to pull you out of whatever you're in. When we doubt God's love, His power, or His promises, we are essentially saying that we don't trust Him. This can damage our relationship with God, and it can make it difficult for us to experience His peace and His joy. I, I was shocked. I was shocked. I thought I'd get some real, you know, crazy thing back, but that's pretty good. Now, that's from a machine that took data from all over the Internet and said, pfft. So it tells you something right there, does it not? That machine got that data from the context of this topic from around the world and what all is on the internet. That tells you one thing right there. The truth is still the truth. So don't listen to this stuff about, well, this is okay, that's okay, whatever. God's word is still true. Even a machine knows it. Even a machine knows the truth. I thought, that's crazy. You know? So as we wrap up today, I want you to think about this. Jesus did not excuse Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, what are you doing in that tree? I come to hear you preach, man. It was a great word. Come down out of that tree. You don't have to be up there. I know you don't fit in, Zac, but you don't have to hang out up in the tree. Come down over here. Come here. Come here with me and my friends. Really? Yeah, come here. Now listen, boss. You know, you've got this job you do, but you know you've been... You know, going out of the wrong way, right? Yeah, I know. Zacchaeus on his own says, You know what? I'll make it right. He didn't just say, You know what? I'm just the way I am. You can't, like, you just got to love me anyway, right, Jesus? No, he didn't say that. When you think about, not just Zacchaeus, you think about this when it came time to pay taxes. <laughs> when the, the people accused his disciples, of, Do your disciples pay the tax? He said, Let me see the coin. Who's face on the coin? He didn't put down Caesar. He didn't put down the Romans. Jesus never did that. Matter of fact, he healed Romans, which definitely went in the face of some of the Jewish people. They did not like that. But Jesus did it. And he said, go through a miracle. You know, you're a fisherman. Go out there and fish, whatever. Get this fish. There's going to be a coin in his mouth. Go pay the tax. He did it. When it came to other things like, other things like I already mentioned this about the one that's called adultery, he didn't excuse it. But he also didn't beat her up further. He said, I've got the power to pull you out. But he did not say, it's okay. It's just not. So he said, I'll help you get out of it, but it's not okay. This woman that was there at the well, she had an understanding of God, but a warped sense of worship and other things. And Jesus addressed it and said, you know a little bit but you really don't understand what you're talking about. Let me help you come to the faith in a way that you can understand and worship God in the right way. He didn't excuse her and say, it's okay. But he also didn't slap her around and say, you know what? Yeah, and that six guy you got right now, I bet you'll have seven for long. You're just a terrible woman. He didn't do that. He said, you can come out of this. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can come out with the power of the Holy Spirit and through the blood of Jesus. Let me just say this. When you feel like you don't fit in, can I just encourage you right now? You may not feel like you don't fit in, but Jesus, he'll step in it with you. There's never been a time where he hasn't, if I ask him, God, will you come and help me through this season? God, I need your help right now. I need you to help us in this or whatever. Never been a time where he's been unfaithful to me. But if there's ever been a time where I said, I know, I got this, I got this, you're busy. No, I got, I got, we're okay, I got this, I got this. I don't, I don't really need you right now, I'm, I'm okay. Well, he just kind of hangs out. Okay. And there's a lot of people that say that's not true. No, he loves you and helps you through it all. No, he doesn't. He will never come where he's not invited. This idea that the Holy Spirit will just do whatever he wants to do, and Jesus, no, he will not. They only come where they're invited. Yes, he went first, and yes, he paid the price for our sins. But you have to call upon the Lord. And you shall be saved. Call upon the Lord in your time of need, and he shall sustain you. Call upon the Lord while he might yet be still found. It, it, it is us initiating, and then he says, okay, yes, sure, I can help you. But he doesn't help when we sit and say we're okay. So this morning, I want to encourage you with something as I pray for you. I just really felt like there might be some individuals, maybe you're watching on broadcast, maybe in this room, and you just feel like maybe you're kind of like this lady in the story. Where like, you, you feel like you're on your own, you feel like... Maybe you don't have any friends with you. Like maybe you're just going through some things that no one else understands. And it doesn't even have to be sin either. I'm, when I say that, you know, you can go through stress and no one even knows it. You can have a financial need no one know it. You can have a health issue and no one even know it. You can have something going on in your life with a family member and no one even know it. So if you're here and that's you and you feel like, man, I'm just... I feel like no one understands. I'm on my own. It's just, just me at that well, and I don't feel like Jesus is even showing up yet. Can I pray for you right now, and can you just take a moment to close your eyes and bow your head? And now all I want you to do is just to come to the Lord in just this, this moment of surrender. As I pray for you, it's a simple acknowledgement, saying, God, I need you right now. God, I feel so alone in this season and i need you right now as i pray for you if that's you you just turn your heart to the lord right now in some way you can pray that in your own mind and heart there to the lord he understands right now so father in the name of jesus i come before you and i pray for every person right now that's listening lord in the name of jesus i just feel strongly lord there's some people here that they are in a situation where they feel so alone they have they feel like they have no one there with them god and I don't know why. I don't know what happened. I don't know what the situation is, God. But I want to pray for them, Lord, and I ask you to send your Holy Spirit to help them. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would put people across their paths, Lord, that would help strengthen them in their walk, comfort them in their way. God, if there's whatever they need right now, if it's a healing or a miracle, I just pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would open up the window for that. God, if they have finances and situations that are going on that people don't understand or know, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would supply every need that they have in their life. Lord, I pray for them. If they're struggling with a relationship that's just gone south, it is just really went off the rails, and it just seems like there's no hope, God, I, I don't know the end result of that, but I know that you can help them either walk through it, And get healing from it. Or if there's restoration, you can help them through that too. But in Jesus' name, either way it comes about, I pray for that person that is struggling right now in relationships, that you help them, Lord. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Jesus, would you show up at their well right now. And God, would we turn to you, Lord, right now, and ask you for living water. Lord, yours is the water that quenches our thirst. Yours is the one that meets our need. But, God, as long as we're trying to meet our own needs, God, we know you're never going to be able to do anything with us. So, God, right now, we say, Lord, we give up on what we're doing. And we say, Holy Spirit, we ask you to fill our hearts with living water. Strengthen us in every way that we need right now in Jesus' name. I pray for every person that feels weak right now that you say to the weak that they are strong in the name of Jesus. To the person here that feels poor and impoverished in Jesus' name to say that they are rich and have an abundant supply. For those in here that feel heaviness in their mind, God, they feel a a burden on their heart and their mind right now, like a heaviness, almost even a depression. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would give them perfect peace, Lord, as your word says, that keeps their minds stayed on you. In Jesus' name, right now, Lord, and I thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, Lord, and if there's anybody here that doesn't know you today, God, we're going to pray for them and ask them to turn to you. If you're in this room right now, no one's looking, no one's calling out anybody, no one's going to be watching you, but with your eyes closed, your head bowed, I'm going to pray a prayer. Everybody in this room is going to pray with you right now. But if you have never committed, your faith, to, committed faith to Christ, pray this prayer with me, and this whole church will pray with you right now. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I give you my life. Lord, I surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name, I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Help me, God, to walk with you, to live for you, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church? Give me a hand, would you? Amen, amen, amen. Hey, Gary going will come up and close out today, but I just really encourage you, uh, for those of you here, if you're struggling uh, with some mental stuff right now, and I mean like mental health, like you feel like, a heaviness on your heart. I prayed that. I just felt like somebody here, you got depression. You got something going on that might be deeper than uh, just, you know, what I said. Matter of fact, one of you in here right now, this is the thing for you. You know, we prayed earlier. You said, I said, I'm not praying God will just read your mail. Some, one of you in here, I don't know who you are. Maybe more than one. You're dealing with something right now. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to acknowledge it because it says, because we call it depression. So you don't want to say anything because that sounds like you're weak. It's not weak. Confess your faults to one another so you might be healed. You can't get healed. It's a trap of the devil to isolate you to say, well, I can't tell anybody because I won't look like a strong Christian. The strongest Christians confess their weaknesses to one another, and they're healed. So whoever you are right now, I'm telling you, do not leave here today without telling someone that's trusted, that doesn't talk, you can trust them and say, listen, will you pray for me? I am struggling right now in this area. Pastor, call me out. I'm dealing with this. It's real. I don't know what to do. We'll have prayer folks who have been there. Gary, will call them up in a minute. Let us pray for you. But please don't leave here today carrying that burden with you. In Jesus' name, he can help you through that. You can overcome it. You can overcome it. I've been through it. I know what I'm talking about here. I've been through it. It's not fun. You can come through it. But you got to have help. Okay, so I just really feel like I need to set before Gary closes. Sorry to take up some more time but I just really feel like that was needed. Okay? All right, here's Gary. Give him a hand, would you please?
1: Amen. That's so important, because that's what church is about, is be here to help um, in whatever it is that you that you need. You know, I always take time at the end of the service, thank you for your giving, and talk about the different ways to give, and talk about tithing, and sometimes I think I'm, it gets repetitive after a while. And I just think it's so important that if you don't tithe in your life, that you're missing out on something. And I think it's really, really important that you give it a try. And sometimes you may hear me talk about this after at the end of service, and you may say, yeah, that's a good idea, and I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And you get home, and Monday and Tuesday comes, and you forget about it. You come back next Sunday, and I remind you again about it. And you say, yeah, that's a good idea, and I'm going to do it. So today I'm going to share just a little bit of a story with you. We've got a little pond behind our house. And we our grandson likes to ride his old tractor, and we walk walk around the pond, and We come to the other side of it, and there's a hole there. And every time he stops, he says, oh, Bob, hole. Got to fill that hole in. I say, yeah, we're going to get that. And so they go around again. Next week, we go around it again. He stops, points out the hole to me again. Yeah, we're going to get that filled up. We're going to get a shovel. We're going to fill it up. So Friday night, we go around the, the pond, and Carolyn's with me this time. And sure enough, we get to that hole, and I don't see it. And I fall in the hole and just about roll down the bank into the pond. The only thing that I was carrying, a, a thing of fish food that's kind of wedged up against me and kept me from going in the water. So I said, and the other guy, guy's fishing on the other side of the thing. He said, everybody okay over there? And so as Carolyn's laughing at me, and I'm thankful. I'm hurt. I'm, my pride's hurt, and I'm getting up. And Henry comes over and he says, Bob, have got to fix that hole. I said, yeah, we're going to get to it. So... Friday comes and goes, and yesterday we go, he wants to ride around the lake again. So this time it's just he and I, and we get around to the other side again, and I fell in that hole again. I didn't even put a stick in there. Somebody took the stick out of there to mark it. I I didn't roll in the pond, but I fell down again, and he comes over to me and says, Ba, let's go get the shovel. So we went. Back to the house, I got my shovel, he got his shovel, we came back, we filled that hole up with dirt, and he tapped it down, he says, all good. So what I'm going to, I'm sure if I went around there today and that hole wasn't filled, I would fall in it again. Um, So tithing, I just want you to remember that, don't forget when you go home, if that's not something in your life that you're doing, it's a hole in your spiritual walk. Fill that hole up. Take time to do that because otherwise it's, it's going to be a stumbling block for you all the way through. So I want to share that with you. Our prayer partner is going to come up front. And like Pastor said, if there's anything at all that you would like one of these folks to pray with you about, um, they're up here. They will listen to you and they will pray with you. And if there's other things that are needed beyond today, we'll be glad to point you in the right direction. So these folks are up here available. If you would stand, we're going to send you out with the blessing out of numbers. the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. Grace is to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. God bless you. Have a great week.
0: We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.